you can see up there, it's page 1721. And we're going to start reading at verse 16 of Acts 16. It's under the heading, Paul and Silas in prison. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights rushed in and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. The word of the Lord. Lord, it's been, it's been a wonderful morning already. New leaders installed into offices of elder, youth elder, and deacon. A gift from you. 
a reminder in the children's message that you desire blessings for us, being able to sing songs of praise, and now to hear directly from your word another gift from you. And I pray that these words which have been spoken, may they make their way deep inside each and every one of us to shape us and form us more and more into who you want us to be. And I pray that the words which will now be spoken, may they be your words and not mine. Amen. This morning we're continuing the story that we began last week. The, the story of, of Paul coming into Macedonia, into a new culture, into a, a new people with the word of God. And last week we looked at Lydia, not the man from Macedonia in, in Paul's vision, but, but a follower of God who, who through Paul comes to know Jesus and accepts Jesus as well. And now the story continues on. And it's not an easy story. Actually, yesterday, I probably reworked over half the, half the sermon. This is a story that in some ways, I have more questions than answers. You see, Paul is, is walking through the city. It's probably a, a little bit of time after Lydia has, has come to, to know the Lord and to know Jesus. And, and Paul's staying at her place. Paul and Luke, who's writing this, and, and Silas and, and others probably. And, and their, their custom is to go through the city. Paul was probably working as a tent maker to, to make a little bit of money. And they're going to the place of prayer. So likely this is a Sabbath day. And this slave girl comes up. And she's possessed by a spirit. She can prophesy. So, so the spirit is, is tied to the god of Apollo, that, that Olympian god, the god of prophecy for the, the Greeks and the Romans. Tied as well to the temple of Apollo that was in the city there. And she's crying out, hey, everybody, pay attention to these guys. They're telling you the only way that you can be saved. They're followers of the Most High God. Now, I'm thinking, Paul's got to be going, whoa, you know what? This girl, she's, she's from the temple of Apollo, and, 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 and he, she's affirming everything, and, and the people know her because they would have come to her for, for the future, to know what's lying ahead for them. But Paul gets annoyed. He gets frustrated with her because this happens day after day after day. And I'm thinking, Paul, what's going through your head? No, the, the message you're bringing is being confirmed by the follower of another God. It, it's just showing the people that, that the other God is less than the God that you're presenting, the God that you're inviting people to follow. And instead, Paul gets annoyed. And, and he turns to her and says, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of her. 
And, and I can respect that because, you know what, that spirit did not belong in her. There was no place in that girl's heart or her soul for another spirit except for the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So I honor what Paul does. But my question comes from what happens next. You know, when Jesus cast out demons from other people, and especially the time when he casts out the legion from within the man's souls, from his heart, from, from his body, Jesus said, you know, when a house is clean, you've got to make sure you invite proper people back in. Because otherwise you're just going to get even worse than you were before. And he's talking about inviting the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. You know, when we get rid of all the garbage that's in our life, in our souls, in our hearts. We need to invite the Holy Spirit into our, into our souls, into our lives, into our minds. But that doesn't happen here. Paul empties out her soul, her mind, her heart from this evil spirit. But he continues on because he's annoyed. Now, now this girl, imagine, she's been making her owners a whole lot of money. She's got a place of respect, so she's probably be treated really well, but, but now she has no value to her masters. And you see that when, when, when the masters go to the magistrates and say, hey, you know what, these guys here, they don't belong here. They're not one of us. They're, they're actually trying to get us to do things we're not supposed to be doing. There is no mention of that girl. That girl is forgotten. There is nothing in the story that refers to her again. And I'm thinking, Paul, you're there to lead people to Christ. And she gets forgotten. And it just reminded me, and that's why this got reworked yesterday, is how often do we fail to follow up? How often do we let new believers just kind of make their way on their own when they don't have any roots yet? And there's still so much they need to, to, to know and experience to grow stronger in their faith. How many new young believers end up slipping out the side door or the back door because we haven't truly embraced them and helped them to get to know Jesus, not just with their minds, but with their hearts and souls and lives, through our lives, through our relationships with them. See, Paul wanted no relationship with her. And for me, that became a warning. So now Paul goes with Silas before the magistrates. And these owners of the slave girl, they don't care about Paul. They don't care about the girl. All they care about is the fact that, you know what? Their way of making money has gone. They don't care about what he's preaching or what he's teaching. Except for the fact that it's impacted them personally now. So there's no justice in their charges. There's, there's no righteousness. There's no, no, no sense of rule of law as... Lately, our politicians and everybody else have been kind of harping about. This is just personal. 
and the magistrates, they kind of see that, hey, there's a whole lot of uproar going on here. And they're kind of going, hey, you know what? There's kind of a history of these people kind of creating stuff going on. Probably stories have come from Jerusalem about Pilate and about all the stuff that's gone on there. And they say, okay, let's just kind of beat them. Let's beat them so that they'll shut up. Let's beat them with rods. Now, again, you think, okay, yeah. But this was a brutal punishment. So they beat them, throw them in jail. Injustice. It reminds me of, uh, of it's an echo back to, to Jesus' own trial. Jesus' trial was filled with injustice as well. And Pilate didn't care about justice. He cared about keeping peace. He cared about keeping the Roman peace. And the Romans had this peace, a, a Pax Romana, which was an absence of conflict. They just wanted people to shut up and be quiet. Just do your daily stuff. You know what? Don't bother anybody else. And don't create any situations where, where we're going to have to step in. That's why Pilate allowed Jesus to be crucified. And Jesus was crucified because there is so much injustice in this world. Injustice comes from sin. It comes from, from hearts that, that are all about me and about, about making life easy for me rather than about following, about following God, about following Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to bring us peace, not the Roman peace, which is just an absence of conflict and, and, and forced quietness. Instead, Jesus came to give us the peace, like in the children's message, a peace that is about blessing. It's about good relationships. It's about good relationships with God and, and with each other. It's about healthy souls and minds and hearts. It's about a healthy, peace-filled society where people are, are looking for and carrying out, caring for their neighbors. A very different peace than from the Pax Romana. So Paul and Silas, thrown in jail. They're stuck in stocks. They can't move. They're in the inner part of the jail, so there ain't no light. There ain't no fresh air. Those places were not clean very often. When you read some of the early historians, those inner cells, they were disgusting. Now, injustice. Paul and Silas could have said, hey, oh, woe is me. This is unfair. Jesus, why are you allowing this to happen? Come on, what's going on here? We're preaching your word. We're inviting people to follow you. This isn't right. This isn't fair. And instead, they pray and they sing hymns. Can I imagine you're a prisoner in there? And, and, and from the worst cells... You hear these people praying. Now they ain't praying, oh Lord, come down with your wrath on these people who have put me here. They're praying and they're singing hymns to God. They're praising God. They're praising Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, 
when I experience injustice, when I see injustice, I get angry, I get frustrated. For me, a, a big part of my faith has always been that, that active part. It's, a friend of mine said, you're, you're a contrast. You're a pietist. You love the quietness, the peacefulness, the, the walking through, through day to day with Jesus. But he said, you also have this part in you that when you see something wrong, man, you jump in with both feet and you get furious and you start working hard and you start pushing people and you ain't going to rest until things are made right again. But it comes honestly out of an anger, out of a frustration. And that's what you would expect from Paul and Silas. And that's what the other prisoners would have expected. Paul and Silas, just like Jesus, turns our world upside down. They kind of turn everybody's heads and hearts upside down inside that prison. And then God responds. There's an earthquake. The doors are all open. The, The shackles are all broken off. Everybody can get out of there and run and get free. Leave that stinking, smelling place. But they all stay. But the jailer doesn't know that. The the jailer, he kind of sees everything that's going on, and and he knows that the peace of Rome is a brutal peace. It's an enforced peace. And he knows that because now all these prisoners are, 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 are let loose into the city, that the magistrates are going to take it out on him. And rather than risk the wrath of Rome, he decides it's better off to take his own life. Now imagine how brutal the punishment must have been that's facing him if he's willing to take his own life instead. That's the kind of peace that Rome offers. Paul and Silas, I don't know how they see what's going on. How from the inner cells do they know he's ready to take his life? I got no clue. But the Holy Spirit's at work here. Remember, this is about signs and wonders, this series that we're in, of of God working, the Holy Spirit working to, to, to reveal Jesus, to reveal God and who God is, what the kingdom of God's all about. And Paul shouts out, hey, wait a minute, stop. Don't take your own life. We're all here. And again, that just, it amazes me that nobody, nobody left. But, but the prisoners are so captivated by the example of Paul and Silas. They must have been captivated by the message that they're offering from their cells that they stayed. They want to hear more. They want to see who these men are, that their lives are so changed that when they're in prison, they're praying and praising God. And the jailer comes in. He falls at their feet. And then he asks, how can I be saved? And, and 
And I'm thinking to myself as I was studying this passage, does he even realize what he's asking? Does he know what he needs to even be saved from? But he must have heard the slave girl's kind of kerfuffle, if you will, that had been going on for days and days, that, that she's been shouting out that if you want to be saved, these are the guys you got to go to. And he just, he's seen their witness now. He's seen who they are, the kind of people they are. And he wants that. And he says, how can I be saved? And what do they do? They say, man, we got this guy, Jesus, that we're following. He is the most high. He's the son of the most high. And you know what? This fear that you have, that you live in, this, this fear of Rome, this fear of injustice, you know, and the guilt that must lie in you because, you know, you're the cause of, of, of so much, of enforcing so much injustice, you can be free. You can be saved from your fear and, and from, from the sin, from all this stuff that you've been a part of. And the guy washes them, washes them clean. And then they get baptized. So just as he has washed the dirt and the filth and the blood off of them, the blood of Christ washes his heart and his soul and his life clean. There's this whole life transformation that happens. The Holy Spirit's at work and there's this, there's this whole movement that's happening. But I can't forget about that slave girl. I can't forget about how many people there are in our community, maybe even sitting right here, where you're filled with worry and anxiety, where, where you're filled with guilt because you know and you've been taught that, that Jesus has died for your sins. He went to that cross so you can be made right with God, but somehow you just can't think or believe that it applies to you. There may be addictions that you are wrestling with. And I know that in our community, there are many people who are wrestling with exactly all these same things. And they need to hear that they can be free, that you can be free, that you can be saved. And that, that pathway to be saved, well, it runs through Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth. You want to know the truth about who you are? Now look at yourself through my eyes. Look at yourself through the eyes of God. You are a precious, precious child of God. That's why Jesus came. That, that jailer, slave girl, God loves them both. One gets forgotten. The other gets saved. And I rejoice 
over the jailer. But I can't forget the slave girl. And I encourage you, as you kind of go out from here, look for those slave girls. And don't forget them. Those slave girls are in our schools. They're at our workplaces. They may be our neighbors. They may be even in our own families. But God loves them. Let's not forget them. But also know that you too are saved through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us, not just from our sins, but from fear and anxiety, from addictions, from hopelessness. Lord, you save us from these things and you bless us. You bless us with the gift of your spirit, with the gift of your love. So Lord, may we take those gifts wherever we are this week and share them so that no one may be forgotten. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.